is Peek Inside the Panic Room, where we explore our passions with zero limits, mixed with the occasional bit of chaos. You don't have to be famous to have a story to tell. So strap yourself in and enjoy the ride. Hey there and welcome back to another episode of Peek Inside the Panic Room and with me in the panic room is Dorothy Hamilton from First National Property Solutions at Palm Beach. How are you? I'm great, thank you. That's good. Look, and your role, Director of Property Management, Business Development Manager. Cattle wrangler, cat wrangler, just about everything. Wife, mother. <laughs> Wife, mother. Boss. Dog, boss the lot. Yeah. yeah. Dog walker. Dog walker. Yeah. Dog feeder, I hear yes. as well. Dog feeder. <laughs> <laughs> Look. You've been in the industry a long time. 1989, I think? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 1989. Wow. You must have seen some changes. Absolutely. I first arrived on the coast in 1986 and I went to work for a tour company. I actually drove a double-decker bus. Remember the old big I um, do. Dreamworld bus with Kenny and Belinda Koala? Wow. Yeah, I worked for the company that owned that Palm Island Cruiser. So I was driving speedboats and buses and and uh, got a, a, an extra gig at the Palm Beach Hotel in the front bar with our little pink bow ties. If anybody's from Palm Beach, they'll remember Tom and I from the front bar. <laughs> And Johnny O'Keefe's daughter used to play in there on a Friday night, so it was always a bit of fun. And the professionals next door needed a Saturday girl to collect the rent, so we had the the Giants. Do you remember the Giants? Yeah. Came from, yeah, the Seagulls. The, yeah, the Gold Giants. Coast Giants, yeah. Well, they all lived in the pub. <clears throat> they all lived upstairs. I'm sure they did. They all No, they, they did. They actually, the whole team lived in the hotel upstairs. Oh, okay. really? So when we had a home game on a Saturday, Friday night, Saturday morning, I'd have, you know, Sattler and Bobby Hagen and all of the boys in the pub and they'd be, you know, quite rattled. So sometimes it'd be 5, 5.30 in the morning by the time I get out of the bar to go home to have a shower to start work at 8 o'clock at the professionals next door <laughs> so to collect the rent and that's how I got into real estate. You didn't so. have far to go though, which was a No, I didn't benefit. have far to go. No? no, not at all. So it's funny, we were talking before, of course you have to work Saturdays in real estate, right? Of course you have right? to work Saturdays in real estate. <laughs> As I said, it's always been the the avoidance for me. It was like, oh, I like used to like playing golf on Saturday. I play footy on Saturday, so it sort of killed me that, that that for the real estate industry. But I don't think I would have cut. I would have been able to cut it anyway. Oh, I don't know. You got quite a nice smile and nice honest eyes. <laughs> well, thank you. Stop yeah. it. Stop <laughs> it. Okay, so nineteen eighty nine, you start your career in in real estate, mm. and I guess if we fast forward the forty odd years now. Mm. And we're here and we're in 2023, 34 years. Mm. And it's a different atmosphere on the Gold Coast from oh, a real estate perspective different. than what we had. Completely different. We, yeah. had, we had a two-way radio we shared with Ray White and, and the, the plumber in Burley. <laughs> <laughs> we did. It was like Star Trek's or DeLorean or something. But, yeah, we had it. And you'd have to call the cars in to see where they were. And I remember in 1989 I got my first Olympus golf ball typewriter that had a memory well honestly you would have swore somebody had just given me tats lotto by two and wow. that was because before that everything was you know manual manual yep. cards the whole bit and I got this typewriter that had this memory that I could put all this stuff in and I was so excited I hit the button and it'd give me the you know we had, we had three estates we were marketing at the time so sometimes I was doing five six seven contracts a day you know, average of about forty-five, fifty-five, sixty thousand dollars for a block of land. I know it breaks your heart now, mm. but I'd be doing six, seven contracts a day. So that this memory for me was just like, you know, I was ten foot tall and bulletproof. Yeah, can I imagine. 
So you've you've gone from you know sixty seventy thousand blocks to yeah. ridiculous numbers now. Yeah. And but for me, I, I I'm only relatively new to the Gold Coast. Eight years. So when I moved eight years ago, I was a I thought I was forging a path, but I didn't realise just how early I was going to be in on yeah. the what has now turned yes. and become this shift, a seismic shift. Yeah. And obviously the pandemic had a lot to do with that. Yeah. But did you feel it was coming before that? Uh, we did feel it was coming before that. We'd seen a lot of the DAs, the development applications going in along Palm Beach. We were a sleepy little suburb down in Palm Beach there for a long it's time. It's changed a lot even we didn't, since I've We been didn't here. have a great reputation because we had the Palmy Army, we had Centrelink. It, it didn't have a great reputation for a long time there, but we but we always knew that it was just an absolute diamond in the rough down there. It's just one of the most fantastic suburbs and Corumba and all through there. And and it's changing now, and there's a lot of there's a lot of angst. You know, number one between the you know they they, they talk about how many cranes are in the air. Yeah. My husband and I used to go for a drive on a Sunday, and as real estate agents, we used to love cranes in the air. We'd, we'd see a crane and we go, "That's progress. That's great. That's jobs. That's the economy." And a lot of people would go, "Oh, they can't build that," and we'd say, "Well, everything has to change. Nothing yeah. can ever stay the same." So there's a lot of angst in Palm Beach, number one, about the number of buildings being built and number two, about the light rail going through because the, the, the traffic and there's no parking and so it gets so – there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of cranky old men down in Palm Beach at the moment. Yeah. We just try and avoid them if we can. The other thing in Palm Beach which really fascinates me is you, you, you're falling over Aston Martins, Bentleys, you know, Teslas now are like the old mini miners. Like the How many of them are there now? <laughs> there's millions of them. It's crazy. Yeah, it was like the old Prius. Remember when the Prius first yeah. came out? Every second car you saw was a Prius. Well, yep. now it's every second yeah, car. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. But I walked out at work the other day and there was two Bentleys parked out the front of my office, a white one and a black one. And I thought, which one will I take to that? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. But that's, that's Palm Beach now. You know, Aston Martins, Bentleys. Beautiful cars, you know, Ferraris. Yeah, it, it, it's funny that I, I liken Palm Beach a lot to. So I'm from the northern beaches of Sydney, yeah, Sydney. and I liken it a lot to Narrabeen, I mean, yeah. where the gentrification and suddenly yeah, yeah. there was a lot of housing estate. There was a lot of mm. it was it was low socioeconomic, yeah. and suddenly everyone yeah. started to move in Narrabeen, and everyone had to move out. Yeah. And suddenly it becomes this multi-million-dollar suburb, yeah. when ten years before it was, yeah. you know, the cheapy place to be. And I find was. Palm Beach may not have been quite that, yeah. but but it's very similar. And very, it's, very and, similar. And, they're, yeah. and, they're, and you can tell now, that with the yeah. work that's gone on with the M1, um, there's so much construction around okay, there. Yeah. And, and, and it is, you don't have to go a block. At most most streets have got six or ten renos being done oh, or, or new houses going at on. Least. It. It's crazy what's and happening. People are paying 2.4, 2.5 million and knocking the house down. We're on yeah. the water. Yeah. That we've got a, quite a lot of canals down there and people are paying two and a half, three million and then just knocking the house down. Yeah. And they might pay 1.5, 1.6 and just knock the house down and then the Hamptons house goes up. So yeah. we've got some absolutely beautiful houses up there. But COVID changed us a lot as well. COVID, I think we, we fared better than most states with COVID. But I think I, I watched a shift in attitudes and I watched a shift in the psychology of people. And since COVID, one of the things I have found is people are less tolerant, they're less patient, mm. they're a bit more entitled. I'm finding that some generations are just a little bit more entitled. I think they felt so deprived during COVID. I have to say, you know, real estate agents did it pretty tough during COVID, but I have to say one of the unsung areas of property management, the property managers, you have no idea how hard 
the COVID was on property managers. Well, that must have been a hugely tough Cause, time. Cause, yeah, because everybody was saying, you know, the nurses, the doctors, the frontline, they were, and, you know, absolutely 100% loved them. But the property managers, we were caught between rocks and hard places every day. We had land, we had people that owned the properties who were about to lose them. And then we had people who couldn't pay the rent because they'd lost their jobs. We were juggling we were juggling all of those emotions and then also trying to juggle our emotions and my team i've got a team of 11 who were working from home and i was you know the herder of the cats yeah. and so every day was you know trying to psycho- psychologically keep them all upbeat keep them all happy make sure that their emotional well-being was taken care of and they were working from home they were homeschooling their children they had their husbands at home with them and they felt very and then they had everybody else's problems so it was a very, very, very difficult time for for every property manager. Well, and it was almost said that every every second article that you read was either about someone can't afford to stay in their property yeah. or that people are going to have to sell their yeah. properties. Yeah. And that was for a year. Yeah. That was essentially yeah. 12 months that yeah. that was. And you're right. We we did fair. We're pretty lucky here. We were like very Compared lucky. to Victoria oh, and yeah. or compared very to Sydney lucky. and then compared to Victoria yeah. who were screwed for 18 yeah. months, we really only had six months of, well, probably three to six months of it being pretty bad. After that, we were, it was almost resumption of normal business, but with still some, you know, give or take. Yeah. But, but yeah, it's, it ha- I don't think it's recovered. I don't, I don't think, think it it's has. recovered from that. And, and staff retention was really, really difficult at that time. Being a woman in business, what we found is a lot of women that – and 90% of property managers are women. Okay, that's the, just a fact of life. So what we found is those women, they then said, well, I've had the flexibility. I, I, I quite enjoyed being home. So as, a, as a, an employer, I've had to completely have this complete 365-degree shift in my head. And since then, I've had to completely shift how I think about how I employ my team. So giving them that absolute flexibility that they need to, to be part of their family, run their family, have a life and also commit to the role that I have for them and look after those those properties and that's been a huge challenge for me I'm 65 yeah and I just feel like every day I'm having to go and relearn something and and read something to to make sure that I'm going in the right path that I'm I'm not discriminating against somebody and I'm not upsetting somebody and and I think there's a lot of a lot of bosses out there a lot of owners of businesses are doing the same because it's probably HR is probably our biggest challenge it's very difficult and we're the same here in the agency here that you know we we have it we now have a designated wednesday is work from home day Mm. essentially so there's what used to be only two people in the office Mm. which would be the two old ducks chris and i and we quite enjoyed that we could be a bit of time we could have some boy time because the rest of the team is female has now you know that was awesome but we're now finding that after almost three years removed from it Mm. or two and a half years removed from it that People are looking for that social interaction yes. again, right? Absolutely. So there's a real fine line yeah. because a lot of the magic is the team yes. and interacting together and you miss that. Mm. But there's also that fine line of, well, I understand now that the rules have changed. Completely. Right? And now I can't have the expectation that you're going to come in and you're going to do 38 hours sitting at your desk. Mm. So I don't think that's a bad thing, mm. but it's very difficult to manage. It is very difficult to manage and being an old duck, you know, we used to do nine to five and you'd work every second Saturday. I'd, I'll walk into the office and there's nobody there. 
but then I'll look at the calendar. I've got all their calendars and I know, and they're all out doing routines or entries or they're with clients and, and I know exactly where everyone is, but it's, it's the visual thing of, of, you know, and we have a, we have a meeting every, every Wednesday morning at nine o'clock and, you know, I go to B&I. Yep. and I with you, which I'm absolutely loving. And then I get into the office, you know, five to nine, get my cup of coffee. And I'm we're all so excited to see each other because it's the only sort of day of the week where we really all, you know, it's compulsory. You have to yes. be there, you know. The only reason for not turning up is a death certificate and you have to hand deliver it, you know, sort of thing. So they all, you know, come in and, and, and we always have a, a really great chat and, and we mull over things, we solve problems, do all sorts of things and... We normally have a little bit of a training session as well, but that's a really important thing for me that we make sure that we still have that interaction every Wednesday morning. Everybody's there, so it's it's all it's it, a bit it, of fun. It's funny that you say that that you, you know you said you're 65 and that you some people could think that at that age you're going to be setting your ways and there'd be no problem with no, that at all, no. right? And what COVID did is threw this massive curveball yep. at everyone, where we yep. just we had to, we had to be agile. People that weren't agile just had to all, all of a sudden overnight they become were. agile, right? And if you weren't, you just fell by the wayside. Exactly, and I and I think that the and I think that the real benefit to the Gold Coast and the reason that I think that you know what's happened has happened mm. is that this ability for remote working, mm. this ability where bosses bosses have actually had to trust. Yes. That their staff are going yes. to do the right thing, which is a huge leap of faith. Yeah. It, it's and now it was used to be almost impossible mm. for someone to get a professional job in Brisbane yeah. because they'd be like, "Well, we want you here all the time, yeah. and you, you're not going to you're going to get jack of the yeah. commute, yeah. which everyone does because it's a shit fight on the M1, yeah. right? But now we've got this remote space yeah. where all these excuses are falling away, which yeah. I think has seen. A heap of people from Sydney moving, a heap of people from Melbourne moving with jobs still in Sydney and still in Melbourne. Now, eventually, all those jobs are going to be Gold Coast jobs, right? So they're going to they're going to morph those jobs and they're going to be. So I only see the Gold Coast becoming bigger. Now we're the six. I think we're the sixth biggest economy in the country yes. anyway. We're still treated like yeah. we're Burke, yes. right? We're still treated like a country town, but we're not. No, like we are a full fledged. City. city and functioning economy yes. here and it's only getting bigger mm. now from a real estate perspective that's a wonderful thing yeah. for some people for some people but from a property uh, management perspective you must see we talked about both sides of the story during mm. covid but there's still a lot of that going on now right absolutely and we, we've just about we've got two lots of legislation going through this year so the first one they're d- debating now which is they want to put a cap on how many times a year you can put the rent up. So if you've got a six-month lease, you can put the rent in that six-month lease and then the next six-month lease you can put the rent up again, which has been a bit of a pain for us because a lot of owners have been doing that and that's when don't have a problem with that at all. But the uncertainty of that next six-month tenure has has sort of been a bit harder on the tenants. It's, it creates this huge anxiety and a lot of landlords too, but they, they feel they needed to do that to make sure they were getting the rent. Well, now this new legislation's coming through, which caps us at once every 12 months. So you can have six-month leases, which, are, to me, the only advantage of that is, is if you're going to sell the property or you're going to move in yourself, right? right? So the other, so the rest of it is you need the 12 months. But what they're trying to do at the moment, which I don't believe will fly, is they're trying to get us the same as the Australian Capital Territory, where they have a cap on how much you can raise the rent percentage-wise. And I, I'm hoping that that doesn't fly because I think what that'll do is it'll just exacibate our rental crisis moving forward. 
because a lot of people will just go, you know what, the government's just making it too hard, sell their rental properties, they'll buy Westpac chairs and put them in the bottom drawer and forget about them. Yeah. And we had a little bit of that with the first lot of legislation change and then the 23rd of September we've got another huge legislation change coming in, the fair housing legislation and the amount of properties on the coast that owners have bought a while ago that now have huge capital gains issues. Yeah. They're the ones that we that you know there's going to be a lot of them that are going to be struggling to get them up to scratch to rent, but they can't sell them, they can't develop them. Well, they can, but they'll have to pay the capital gains on it. And we're in that ca- in that category. We've got a couple of properties ourselves and, you know, I say to my husband, what are we going to do? And he says, well, we'll just have to do something, but yeah. he's sort of, you know, wondering what we're going to do. They're not too bad. They just need a little bit of work. But there's some out there that are going to need a lot of work. And unfortunately, if people say, well, I'll just take them up, because we won't be able to manage them, that's the other thing. We will have to terminate managements because we won't be allowed to manage them under the legislation. So then what will happen is they'll go into the private rental market and then those owners, things will start to happen. They won't be able to get insurance. Roll-on effect of it all is is going to be quite quite huge. So that's that's an interesting point. So obviously... You're a property manager, but there are a lot of DIY landlords out there, right? Now, there's obviously pros and cons to both. Yes, absolutely. Now, before we get to the DIY landlords, because I think this is going to roll into it. So, as a property manager, you're you're pro landlord, like you are working for the landlord. landlord You work for the landlord. I I work for the landlord and with the. the I guess that's a a place where tenants don't quite. Get it? They they're like, well, you should be on my side as well. But essentially, you're 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 for the landlord, which is understandable. Now, there must be some times where you go, "Come on, mate!" Oh, absolutely! Come on, mate! Yeah, I'm I'm the I'm the I'm the last resort. Yeah, with some of the girls, they'll you know they'll they'll have they'll tried everything. You've sent them the legislation. We'll try everything, and then they say, "Look, I'm sorry, Barry, but you know you got to speak to my boss. You know I can't help you anymore." And the next thing, I get on the phone. And yeah, it's it's. I'm usually the last line of defence yeah. with a with bad the news facts. dot. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a bit the same in the pretty office much. here. I'm bad it's news, like, Matt. Yeah, and and sometimes it's and everything with us is based on the legislation and the act because yeah. you can't drive a car without a license, can you? No, that's right. Can you fly a plane without a license? No, no. So why would anybody think that you can do anything in property management that is outside the act? Because it's it's there for a reason. It's there to protect everybody. Landlords, tenants, tradesmen. It's there to protect everyone. Have you seen a growth in DIY landlords in yes, the current climate? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But the only thing that we won't let landlords do is electrical or plumbing. It's illegal for them to do electrical or plumbing unless they have a license. Yeah. So we, we discourage that. But if they come and if they, like if my husband said I'm gonna go and hang a door at the rental property, I'd go, No, you're not. <laughs> No, you're not. Yeah. No. And you just have to be able to say to them, you know, are you qualified? Do you have the correct equipment? Do you have the right tools? You know, are you going to be able to do it in a certain time frame? Oh, no, it might take me three or four weeks. Well, that's not going to work because, you know, with property management, we've got time frames that we're allowed to enter into properties and time frames where yeah, we've got to – Yeah, So talking to people, when, when we sign new properties up, I'm very – I'm very strict about when I talk to them and they say, oh, well, you know, all, all repairs to me. I say, well, that's fine. That's okay. So obviously electrical and plumbing won't be unless you're an electrician yeah, yeah, or a plumber or your son. But, you know, what are your qualifications? You know, are you, are you, do you have a, a home workshop at home? Do you have a lathe? Do you have this? Do you have that? Oh, no, I've just got a set of tools in the back of my car that came with the car. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no. 
Yeah. You know, I don't make dresses because I'm not a seamstress because yeah. I, I, I know how to sew a straight line, but I can't make a dress. Yeah. You know, so we – and another thing that we try and say to them is that it's false economy because sometimes they'll go and fix it and they don't fix it right and then they've got to go back and back and then eventually we have to get a tradesman in to fix up what they fixed and fixed yeah, and didn't fix. So in the end, it's false economy. So we try and talk to them about – you know, how they feel about that. You know, if it was your house and I came to fix something and then I had to come back two or three times and then I had to send a tradesman, how would you feel? So I always try and bring the third person into yeah, it. And and the other thing that we don't like to do is we don't like, and I don't know how people are going to feel about this, we don't like the tenants to know that the owners are there doing repairs. We always say to them, make sure you tell them you're just a handyman. Yes. Because what they try and do is they... they, they they tr- they'll form a relationship and then the next thing you know, the, the tenants are ringing them at home and they're bypassing us and then that's okay for the first three or four months and then the owner will ring us up and say, can you just, I don't want to hear from them anymore because they just keep ringing me all the time. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So, so what about the next step then? What, what about private, private rentals? So well, have you seen, are you seeing? Yeah, there's a lot of private landlords. The other thing I've noticed a lot of, and we noticed it during COVID, because we couldn't move out of the state, a lot of our property, so with COVID, they only had to give a month's notice or something. I can't remember exactly now. I've tried to erase COVID from my memory and my Haven't vocabulary. We all? But we all? a lot of tenants, even if they had a lease, they we could give them notice and the owners moved from Brisbane or wherever into their properties. But also the other thing we noticed was a lot of people turned their houses in their units and things into um, Airbnbs. Yeah, right, that's they, a bit frightening. Yeah, that was yeah. a bit frightening. So so we noticed a lot. So that created a, a bit of a shortage. So we had a lot of owners doing their own maintenance or in cleaning all of that sort of stuff so they've come back in to now and they say oh you know I've been doing my own maintenance but in my in my mind an investment property is just that it's an investment property and you treat it as an investment property and if you do everything correctly your insurance is fine your smoke alarms are fine if anything happens and Murphy's law is it will if you think it's never going to happen Murphy's law is it yeah, will it definitely yeah. we had one house in Palm Beach Avenue burned down the tenant left their iPad on the bed and it shorted out and burnt the house down. My own house, I had an electric bike. I left it plugged in and it was lucky we were home. My electric bike exploded and nearly burnt my house down. Jeez. So, yeah, so things like that. Yeah, so, and you, again, constantly learning about things. Like five years ago, I would never, ever have thought of putting a clause in the lease to say that you could not leave anything that had a lithium battery in it plugged in while you were not at home. That's your phone, your iPad, your computer, your drill, your, your, your lawnmower, your saw. Your, everything's got lithium batteries now. Well, we've now got a, a, a clause in our lease agreements to say that you cannot leave them plugged in while you're not at home because if they explode, they'll burn the house down. I wonder how many people adhere to that. Nobody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just now thinking about how many things I've well, got left exactly plugged right. on at home. Exactly right. But when you've had an electric bike with a lithium battery explode in your house and nearly burn your house down, it's it's really scary, really scary. So. Yeah. My wife left the – we had one of those – in the kitchen, we had one of those cabinets that you had the toaster and the oh kettle God, in. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I was in Brisbane. She was leaving to go to the airport to go to Sydney and she rolled the door down onto the toaster. Put the toaster down. And the toaster down. Yeah. And then the, the, the clock in the kitchen, she left home at 10 past five. Mm. The clock in the kitchen stopped at at five past six, and luckily the neighbours who had who was looking after my son had seen it. And the kitchen, the house was almost, but they, they said five more minutes, the whole house was gone. But they got they got it out just in time. But geez, we're out of it for seventeen weeks. Yeah, but it can happen easily. 
We're just starting to put people getting houses back now after the flood in Palm Beach. That's been what nearly wow. thirteen months. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So that they, they yeah got our first one back today. Just went back on the rent list. Well, today. see, that's that's interesting, isn't it? Because geez, you've had a rough three years. Yeah. It's it's it's, it's <laughs> I've aged a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really look like I'm ninety most of the time. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's been a. I would say the last three years have probably been the toughest. Oh, we, we you know we've been through a couple of recessions, ate a lot of mints. Yeah, you know over the few years, and my husband's been doing it next February fourth next year. He's been in Palm Beach in real estate for forty years. Wow! So he was with Forge, Forge Real Estate first, and then we became First National in eighty five. sorry, ninety five. We became First National. So he was just an independent with Forge. There was a, a three or four offices on the Coal Coast. So that's yeah. that's a little good segue there. Yeah. So you you work with your husband. Yeah. You're a team. Yeah, we're a team. One hundred percent. You're a hundred percent a team. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. you've been working together for thirty 30, odd years. Yeah, thirty four, thirty five Th- years now. Okay, so yeah. thirty five years together as a team in real estate. Yeah. How does that go? How do you manage that? Uh, we had we've got a lot of ground rules. One of the ground rules we had when we our son's nearly twenty nine, and one of the ground rules was we had to leave the office at the at the letterbox because he got sick of listening to us talk about real estate all the time. So we'd think of something in the middle of dinner, and I'd go letterbox. <laughs> we'd run out because <laughs> we I had to tell him, but it was like letterbox. <laughs> and quite often we'd we'd come home from work and we'd stand out at the letterbox and we'd have That's a conversation. Funny. Because we knew when we got into the house to protect Michael. Yeah. And the funny thing is now Michael's in real estate with us. <laughs> He's a musician in real estate. He actually, I'm very proud of him. He opened for Wolf Mother last night at Mini Marquetta. Really? His band, yeah, they opened for Wolf Mother. So it's pretty proud. That? Yeah, it's pretty proud of that. Yeah. In, a, in a band called Zoid. Oh, very so, cool. Uh, yeah. Peek Inside the Panic Room is proudly sponsored by Straight Up Digital. If you're looking for an irreverent, no BS, results-focused digital marketing company on the Gold Coast, look for Straight Up Digital on all social platforms or at straightupdigital.com.au. works okay he works upstairs I work downstairs he's the the brains as we say I'm the brawn he's very methodical he was a lawyer and he's very methodical and very very analytical whereas I'm just get in and do it yeah you know if it needs to be done just get in and do it which is property management and I always say property management runs about 10 times faster than sales so we we actually balance each other out I've got a fair bit of crazy in me I'm Irish and a Catholic so, you know, I tend to have a bit of a fiery nature and love a bit of the crack, but he he balances me out and I guess I balance him out. But all business decisions we make together and we really enjoy working together. We enjoy the challenge of it. We've never, ever, 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 ever had a fight in the office. We always will. See, that's amazing. Never. We've never had a fight in front of the staff. I might yeah. yell at him to move his car or yeah. or he'll say, don't yell up the stairs. If the internal intercom's not working or something. But we've well, that never, is the internal intercom, isn't it? That is the internal intercom. <laughs> Babe, yeah, car. But we've never, ever, ever had a, a domestic in front of the staff, ever. Never. And any of our team will tell you that. Um, we, we will always take it home to the letterbox, yeah. you know, and we have, it. we have our challenges, you know, sort of IT. But we just try and keep ahead of things all the time. So constantly, you know, looking at new, new ways to do things better ways to do things, um, more innovation. We're, we're both very 
technologically minded, so we, we don't mind looking at new things and, and bringing new things into the business. And, you know, when a new team member comes in after they've had their induction, one of the first thing I say to them is, I said, if you've got a new idea or an idea, if you've got something you've been doing yeah, where you've powerful. been and you want to bring it to us, please do, because we only know what we know. We've been in this office for, you know, 40 years, Dave. We only know what we know. Yeah. So if you've got an idea... Bring it to us, please. Yeah. So, so that's fun. So I find that the the way that that works is, and it sounds obvious that you both know your roles. Mm. And I think yeah. that, I guess, one works upstairs, one works downstairs. downstairs. So there's a divide mm. anyway. Mm. So you've got, and you deal with different aspects of the business, Very which much. Mm. I think is really important because there, can, there can't be two bosses in a business. No. There no. can't be. And I think mm. that when it, beca- when it comes to, because in a, ma- it's probably the same as a marriage, marriage yeah. to be honest, there's probably, there's never two bosses, right? And, and if a good marriage, people know their roles within mm. that marriage and it's the same as in business. So I think that if you can you know, incorporate that mm. and it sounds like you two, obviously you have, it's 35 years and you're still crushing it. So, yeah. but what's, what's next? Like it, you've, you've been in the industry for 35 years. Both of you have probably done everything that can be done. We've, the, we've won it. We've, We've won a lot of awards, but that's not the reason we're in it. We're in it for the people. We're yeah. in it for the, you know, like I say, I'm responsible for 29 mortgages. I wake up, I open my eyes in the morning and all I see is 29 mortgages in front of me that I'm that we're responsible for paying every week. Yeah. We've just purchased a new building over in Corumban, the old Newman's building. We did that and we've just got our DA approved for that. So we're just about to move from the Pine Shopping Centre where we've been for 20 Six years, we're moving our office out to Corumban, so, so we'll own the building there because we're paying exorbitant rent in a shopping centre and just dead money. So, yeah. And we've gone into partnership with one of our team with that building. So that gives, and she started with us when she was 20. She was a single mum, moved up here from Newcastle and never really had much of a job. And I don't know, just met her and brought her son to the interview with me. And she's been with us all that time and now she's going to become a partner in that side of the business. Oh, that's pretty and, impressive. And she, her story is amazing, Amanda. Her story is is very, very, very inspirational and she's a cracker of a girl. We yeah. love her. But, you know, just moving along with that. I'd like to do a lot more travel. I think COVID sort of stymied us a bit and when you get to our age, it's a little bit harder. We had a husband had a, Dave had a bit of a, a health scare last year with a, a bit of surgery that went wrong and wasn't handled very well yeah but we've come out the other side of that now and with a whole new vision of what we want to do and where we want to take the business and yeah and and just make it just make it great for everyone that works with us and also my one of my focuses is is the client experience I I I have a saying people will remember what you did they'll know what you did they know what you said but they'll always remember how you made them feel yeah of course and that's one of my things I've got that written above my desk now and that's my focus now within our whole business is to it's how we make people feel. Well, I bought my house through First National. Yes. We discussed that. We yes. won't go into that again. But <laughs> but you know, you still remember it. I still remember it. It was a memorable experience. It's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great story. Yeah, it's, it's a very good story. It was a good a late Friday night purchase. Yes. At, you know, but you know, we we got there and we we love where we are. So we're in Illinois and it's great. And, you know, we wouldn't have been there without yeah. the help of First National. So Go to a dinner party. What do you talk about? When you go to a dinner party, there's 10 people at a table. What's What do we talk about? Oh, real estate. Real estate. Oh, definitely real estate. Travel. Yeah, travel. politics usually. Politics. It depends how drunk you get. And your kids. Yeah. That's it. 
I've got a good story for all of them. Yeah. My, my story about the purchase of my house is a good story. Yeah. And, and we had a laugh about it yeah, we the, did. the first time we met. <laughs> we had to. We had to, but, you know, we've moved on from that. And you know what? I, I, I think I might have seen him. Oh, no. I think I might have seen him. Yeah. God. I think I might have seen him. I'm, I'm, I'm almost 100% certain it was him. Oh, dear. But anyway, yeah, that's for another podcast. Another podcast. Yeah. So you just said you've got a team of 29. Ooh. That's yeah. I, That blows me away, that. Oh, I, when I was doing some research for it and it was saying meet the team yeah. and I keep having to scroll <laughs> down, I'm like, when does this bloody end? <laughs> I go, what are they doing? <laughs> so, it. So that's got to be... That must have its challenges, 29 people to manage. It does. But yeah. again, we've just got such an amazing team. And st- one of the greatest challenges in business is, is staff retention. You go to talk to any real estate business and the first thing they say is, how do you get your staff to stay? How do you get your team to stay? Mm. And you just have to treat them really, really, really well. Treat them with an enormous amount of respect and compassion. And they become family. And I think when you build that and when you understand that, then it's, it's, it sort of gets a bit easier. But also the fact that we have very – we work very much on policies and procedures. I, I work very much with policies and procedures. And everyone has a job description. So everybody knows who's responsible for what. There's no floundering. There's no ambiguity. ambiguity. That's a big word. That's a good word. That's a big word for me. Ambiguity about who do I go to if I need this? Who do I go to? You know, we know if it's anything to do with payroll or anything, go to Jane. Yeah. You know, if it's got anything to do with marketing, you go to to Karen. You know, if it's got anything to do with just giving somebody a hard time, you go to Dave. (laughs) It's like (laughs) property management, buck stops with me. Yeah. You know, and the girls know that and everybody in that team knows one of the things that I always say to them is if you've killed somebody, I'll help you bury the body as long as you tell me. If you tell me you've made a, a stuff up, if you tell me you've made a mistake, I'll back you to the hilt. But if you try and hide it or lie to me or don't tell me the truth, then you're on your own. But, you know, I, I used to say that to my kids as well. I used to say, there's nothing you can do that I can't fix if I know about it. Yeah. And I say that to the team as well. That's a big That's a big stepping stone, isn't it? Yeah. Like uh, trust is so key. Yeah. Trust goes both ways, right? That's, and I think yeah. that – and it's and I get, it comes back to – People should trust you that work with you. You've lived and worked with your husband for 35 years. Mm. So there's got to be that element yeah. of, of trust there, yeah. right? And so, but having a boss or having someone to come to you and go, look, it doesn't matter if you've stuffed up, mm. just tell me. Just tell me. Because I can help you fix it. I can fix That's it. That's a powerful thing. Mm. And you don't most hear the, that very often. Most of the time it's only money. Yeah. Most of the time, yeah. 99% of problems can be fixed with, as I say, only money. Yeah. Are you going to bleed? Are you going to die? Are they going to kill you? Are they going to lock you up in jail? No. Yeah. We're just going to probably have to pay them a little bit of money to fix the problem. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's the, the majority of problems. Are that. Money solves a lot of problems. Money solves a lot of problems. Yeah. And But, you know, sometimes it's just a clerical error that, you know, something's happened. And, it you know, it's just life. Yeah. And I think having... I, I look at offices and I, I, I talk to a lot of property managers. I've done a lot of training over the years. I've, I've spoken internationally. I've been invited twice to NARPM in the States to speak at their property. And they get 7,000 people at their conferences. That's a story going to Calgary, Alberta, yep. to Burlington, Vermont. That was an, an absolute cracker of a trip to go and do a, a speaking engagement there. But one of the things that I, I – when I talk to people, when I do training, the property managers, they say, oh, there's nobody to back me up. You know, I feel like I'm on my own. I feel like I'm just an island there and I feel like if I make a mistake, I can't go and tell anyone, I can't talk to anybody about it. And I always say to my team, you know, that that's not us. You know, I don't care what you've done. 
You know, you're only human. Do your job the best you can with the greatest of integrity. And if at the end of the day you make a mistake, it's exactly that. It's a mistake. You yeah. didn't do it intentionally and we can fix it. Yeah. You know? Well, I think we're it's, it's odd because we have this strive for perfection. Yes. Where, and it's, it's unobtainable. Mm. Like we're going to stuff up. Yeah. Like I try to say this to my kids. Like I've got a, my son's about to turn 17 and my daughter's nine and a half. And I say, stop trying to be perfect. perfect. Just be yourselves. Yeah. And, you know, make the mistakes. Yeah. But listen to the advice so that you don't have to make the mistakes that you don't have to make. Yeah. But you're going to make your mistakes and that's okay. And you're not going to be the best at everything and that's okay. Yeah. Right? But as long as you're the best you. I used then to say to my kids. That's fine. You know, they, they all want, <clears throat> when for both my kids, I used to say, if, if the best you can be is a Kmart checkout chick, you be the best Kmart yeah. checkout chick you can be. If that's if that's all you want to do and that's the best that you want to do, fine. But be the best checkout chick you can be. And that's I think we've got to we've got to stop trying to make our kids into things that they they don't want to be. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've always said to my kids, just whatever you do, just do it the best you can. Be the best you you can be. You don't have to be the best, but if you're the best version of you, then that's the that's all I ask for. And I think that that's pretty sound advice. I think for everyone. And I think with whether it's staff, whether it's family, whatever, it's just be the best you can be. And it's funny because we always, I think as parents and as mentors and all this kind of stuff, we, we always want the best for people. We always want them to be, you know, to strive to be better or to yeah. get better. And I think sometimes that can be, that's a fine line to, yeah. to juggle as well, right? I a think lot of pressure. I think there's a lot of pressure on, on people, not just children. I think there's a lot of pressure on. I, I, I look at we're very involved with the with the key sponsor at, down at the Palm Beach Soccer Club. We're the, yep. the gold sponsor there, and you know that was us 24, 25 years ago with our son, and he was the goalie. You know, and there's no tougher job than being the mother of a goalie. I can yeah. tell you now, <laughs> I was the mother of a goalie for like six years, seven years, and you'd look down and the ball would be down this end, and Michael would be hanging from his ankles up on you know on the thing and. You know, the ball had come down and he had all this notice and then he'd look at me and he'd have to say, what do I do with the ball? And he'd, it wasn't his thing. It, music is his thing, but, but I needed him to play soccer, to be part of a team, to learn how to be part of a team. And, yeah, of course. And, but I look at all these mothers over there now and the, the, the pressure on young families now. They've got two or three kids and they've got to have them all. But like, I was fascinated the other day to find out how much it is now. Do you know how much it is now for a child to play soccer? Oh, it's like, it, is it something like 1200 or 1300 bucks or something it's ridiculous? It's about $650. Like. Yeah. Imagine if you've got two or three kids. Yeah. Like the pressure on parents nowadays, yeah. like it was $21, I think, when I first signed Michael yeah. up. It's crazy. So sport, it's, I have this, this, sport is so expensive yeah. nowadays. So, like, my son, I think we did some maths just so we could just let him know mm. about what it was costing mm. us as a family yeah. for him to do what he loves doing. Yeah. We've got no dramas with that. No. But just you yeah. need to maybe respect yeah. what we're doing for you. And I think it was some somewhere in the vicinity it was costing us between three and a half and five grand a year yeah. for him to play sport. Yeah. You know, he'd go on a tour here, he'd make this team, he'd yeah. make that, that team, team, he'd do this, he'd do that, he'd need boots for this, he'd need new clothes. And I'm like, mate, like, that doesn't just fall out of the sky, that money. No, it's very hard, yeah. yeah. And it was like, well, and unfortunately my daughter, she's, she loves gymnastics. Mm. So we started doing the sums on what gymnastics. She, she was going to be 2032, right? Mm. I'm going, oh, I want to yeah. be in Brisbane Olympics in 2032. And I'm like, okay, darling, yep, you can be whatever you want to be, you know, blah, 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 blah. She unfortunately got uh, a bit of an injury and she's mm. been told now that she can't do gymnastics mm. and she's heartbroken. Mm. 
And so now the cost is irrelevant. And we're like, we would have paid whatever it was, right, for her to be able to do it. But now she's like trying every different sport she can find, yeah. which is great. But, yeah. you know, there's a cost associated with that. But you don't care, do you? But no. it's... But yeah, it's a hard it's a hard one to manage. Oh, I just I just look at the pressure and yeah, you know, and and then we've got people coming in for rentals and some of our rents we've put up, <clears throat> and not because we want to, it's because the market's the market. Yeah, of course. And what a lot of people didn't realise was that during COVID we couldn't put rents up, and then but we still had to offer the leases. So some of them came out of COVID with twelve month leases, and then the owners would say, "Oh no, don't put it up this time because we've just had COVID." So the last year and a half or so, we've been putting rents up and some of them have been going up two or $300. Yeah. And that's a lot of money for a family to find. And, of course, we've been in the, in the firing line because, you know, you've seen all the headlines, greedy tenants. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Sorry, greedy property managers, greedy landlords. You know, our, the rates have gone up 16%. Your water's gone up. We've got the dearest water in Australia. It's nearly $5 a kilolitre. Yeah. You know, so a family of, of five or six would be using five or six hundred dollars worth of, of water a quarter. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, the owner can't be prepared. You know, it's a consumable. The owner yeah. has to, can't be expected to pay for that. So I do, I do feel, you know, and we, we try really, really, really hard. Actually, I just left the office now and an older gentleman, his wife had passed away and we sold this house and we put him in a little unit, little one bedroom unit. And just as I was leaving the office, his daughter came in, big box of chocolates, a bunch of flowers, beautiful big fruit platter and a cheese platter. This is from Dad. You know, he just wanted to say thank you for, for finding him somewhere to go and live. He's just been so worried he wouldn't have a, a roof over his head. And that was just the, the – all the girls, you couldn't wipe the smiles off their yeah. faces, you know, but it, it's, they're very few and far between. We well, don't hear the good stories. No, no it's like law, lawyers and real estate agents. Yeah, you don't yes. hear the good stories, no. right? You only hear no. the bad stories. Sorry, and yeah. it's always been – and you see – and the, uh, yeah, social media doesn't help. So every day mm. there's – I see just even on the Palm Beach, Corumban yeah. face, Facebook mm. site, oh, my, this is happening to my rent or mm. I, I can't find a house to rent. Da, da, da. Yeah. And so it, it's – and it's brutal. And, and yeah, this is – I don't think this is anyone's fault – I think oh, it's. I think there's a. I think there's a lot of factors in it, and a lot of factors in it, and some of the factors are that the older houses have been knocked down, and they're now they used to be five or six hundred dollar a week houses. They've been knocked down. They've been renovated. They're now twelve, thirteen hundred dollars a week. Units that we used to rent for $180, a week for are now $400 a week. The $380, the, the ones along the highway, two bed, two bath, lock up garage underneath, you know, on the highway there. We call them twelve packs. They used to be, you know, three eighty, three ninety. They're now six fifty. Yeah. So the demographic that rented those is slowly being pushed, pushed out, out. Of, completely pushed out. They're being pushed north and west to be able to afford. And we saw that happen once before, um, and it sort of, you know, had a, a bit of an effect on Palm Beach. But this one has had more. And I think the ones I feel sorry for, I feel sorry for the kids that have got to move school. You know, they've been going to these yeah. schools for three or four years. They've got this great group of friends. They're in soccer teams. They're in netball teams. They go to dancing. And all of a sudden, mum and dad can't afford to live in the suburb. And they've got to uproot the whole family. And that, you know, that breaks my heart. I, I get I get a bit weepy about those ones and think, you know, these kids have got to start all over again. Because being a mining kid, as I was, we left Ireland and my dad was at work for a big mining company. You know, I went to 13 different schools. Yeah. And that, I, I feel for those kids of being the new kid at school. Like, I was the new kid at school twice in one year. 
Yep. <laughs> in yeah. two different countries. That's hard. That's hard. In, in two different countries, you know. Yeah. And that's hard. So I do have a lot of empathy and compassion for them. And, you know, we try and make it as easy as we can, but it's hard. Yeah. yeah sometimes it's hard. I guess we've just got to ride through it. Yep. You know, it'll yep. be... There'll be some status quo at some stage, I'm sure. Yeah. But it's never for very long, is it? No, but, you know, I watched the Pines Shopping Centre being built. I watched the M1 being built. It was one of the first cars on the new M1. I went to the soft opening of the of, of the Pines and bought a pair of thongs in Kmart for 10 cents. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, this is these are the yeah, things, you know, yeah. the Palm Beach Hotel. When I worked at the Palm Beach Hotel, God love it, we used to have jelly wrestling and baked bean wrestling in the back bar with Bulla Bacanka on a Sunday afternoon. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> the Emmanuel brothers. Yeah. You know, they were they were just the local boys. Yeah. You know, every second Sunday we'd have Bulla McKenka one week and we'd have the Emmanuel brothers the next. And as I said, Johnny O'Keefe's daughter, she played in the front bar. Yeah. You know, those old days of... And I hope they don't get forgotten. I hope I hope there's still people around that remember and pass on those stories to the these young ones that are coming through that, you know... Well, I think it's it's so eclectic the Gold Coast that the stories will never die, right? Yeah, it's like the guitar that the you know what happened to the to the guitar off the the hard rock the hard rock. Where did it go? Yeah, somebody said it went to a salvage yard. Yeah, it's crazy what happens with that stuff. You know like that should have been icons. somewhere. We, that should have gone somewhere, and yeah, it should have gone to like the exhibition center or yeah. somewhere and just been like a, a yeah. like a piece of art. Well, you remember Matilda the the the, the oh the big kangaroo the big kangaroo. Yeah. Where did that yeah. end up? Some. Yeah. They all, just end, they all just end up in junkyards. Yeah, which is a bit sad. Yeah. It's a bit yeah, sad because that is. was, yeah, the, the old – well, you know, when I was driving the double-deckers up around, up around surface, I did the – and this is back in the day when we had no pokies. So two of the runs I did were from Paradise Point all the way through. One was to Mwilumbus Leagues Club and one was to the Coolangatta Golf Club Yeah, because we had no pokies. Yeah, of course. So we'd start up then and pick up the pensioners and they'd – you know, struggle onto the bus, but as soon as you pulled into the driveway, they'd be up and out of that seat. Yeah, they're gone. <laughs> they're gone into. <laughs> they're going to put their pension check in <laughs> the buggy. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, and then you know, then Twin Towns came along, and I think one of my claim to fames is I did drive. I went to a John Farnham concert. I bought twenty five tickets and took a busload to a John Farnham concert there. Got to there and realised I'd left the tickets at home. Oh, Had no. to race all the way home in a double decker bus. You don't race very no, far in an old Leyland Atlantic, and I can tell you right now. And then get down and then come back out and the concert's all finished and my guys are inside and next thing Glenn Wheatley and John Farnham walk out. And John, John's saying to the doorman, where's the driver? I want to go for a burl. Where's the driver? <laughs> and the driver goes, that's her there. I was like a size eight then yeah. where these red collots and these gorgeous red Ray-Bans look real hot. <laughs> and he said, that's the driver there. And I won't tell you what John Farnham said. But anyway, I took them all around... <laughs> Tweet heads hanging onto the <laughs> Glenn Wheatley's up the stairs. He's hanging out the front of the, the bus, God. having a great old good time. old days. And that was before mobile phones. So you know, do you think anyone had a camera to no, take a photo? No. Not a soul. Not a bit. I miss those days. I miss those days. You could just be yourself. You could do whatever you want. Yeah. yeah there were no repercussions. No, now you can't do anything you without someone taking anything. a photo of you. Yeah, you can't do a thing. But that and was that was fun. And, and this is the funny thing, right? Is I think that the the girls here because. Like, I'm 47, yeah. and the boss, Chris, is 45. And Mariah, who's the mum of the group, is 33, yeah. like a, a ripe old 33, right. right? So, but the girls are 22, yeah. 20 and 20, 20, 20, 20 22, 22. They're yeah. the four girls in the office with us. And they're never going to know. No. They're never going to know what it was like to go out and not have your whole night documented. That's exactly right. You could do whatever you, you wanted. You could do whatever you wanted. wanted. I know. You could do whatever yeah. you wanted, and no one would have known. No. That you could, 
there'd be no videos on Facebook. There'd be no one sending videos to the media. There'd be none of this stuff. We, you, we, we essentially just lived in a bubble. Yes. Yeah, and in real estate and in our business especially. So, you know, we're, we're very big on social media with, you know, I, I refuse to become part of TikTok. I just absolutely <laughs> refuse point blank to have anything to do with TikTok. You know, Snapchat was like a bubble in my head and then it yes. went. But we're Instagram and Facebook and we're yes. very, very big on all of that. And we're very big on community, you know, being part of the community. And uh, I'm constantly saying to the guys, you know, you, you, there's always an eye on you. Yeah. And, and if you've got a First National shirt on or you've got a First National name badge or you're in a First National shirt, you're the, you're the face of our company. So don't do anything stupid. Yeah. You know, just, you know, think about that. And it's amazing. You'll go somewhere and, you know, if I was... I was only somewhere. I was actually in Melbourne a few weeks ago and there was a, a another real estate and they were parked in a car park and they were actually in a very compromising situation in the work car, car in the car park. And I'm thinking, there's people walking past here. What are you doing, children? Like, seriously, you're in a work car. <laughs> I was like, I'm thinking. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, and I'm thinking, yeah, so we, we, we just need to, yeah, we, we're always quite careful about that, yeah. about, you know, but we love it. We love what we do and, you know, being being part of a community like ours for so long yeah. is a is a nice feeling. Absolutely. Well, there's, look, there's no doubt that you love what you do. You can yeah. tell that. It radiates yeah. from you, yeah. like you're so passionate about yeah. it. Look, I reckon that's a good place to stop. We could, we could talk forever. Could and forever. I, I do not want to... <laughs> Do all the stories because I'm going to get you back in back again. In, that'd be right? lovely. Yeah, I'd okay. really enjoy that. And look, who knows? You might even start your own podcast well, at thinking, one stage. Well, I'm thinking that that could be well on the cards. And then people could sort of dive into the wealth of knowledge that you've got. Well, there's, I just know some some wonderfully interesting people and it would yeah. be lovely to to have them come on and share their stories of, of the, how we've all interacted with our lives together and, uh, you know, things like that. Absolutely. Yeah, it'd be great. Dorothy Hamilton, absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. Can't wait to have you on again. Thanks. And if you need any advice... Check out the First National Property Solutions webpage. It's pretty elaborate. Yes. And check them out on social media as well. Yeah, thank you. Okay. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks. Speak soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Peek Inside the Panic Room. If you want to hear more of the chaos, make sure you follow us to stay up to date. Don't forget to give us a five-star review and check out our socials at Straight Up Digital.